You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. It is the APC podcast from acmepackingcompany.com and SB Nation Vox Media talking to you fine folks about your undefeated Green Bay Packers coming in hot after a thrilling 10 to 3 victory over the Chicago Bears talking about that and more today follow the show at the APC pod on Twitter subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts give us a rating all that stuff Thanks again for the uh, awesome response to last week's tarot card reading, our annual tarot card reading. Very well received. Uh, It really warms my heart to think that we finally found our crowd of Packers weirdos who get into the same stuff that that we do. I'm Zach Rapport in Albuquerque, New Mexico, joined by my trusty cohorts. Firstly, the shirtless Ben Foldy, hot off a squash match on the video chat. How you doing, man? I'm squashed. (laughs) Thoroughly squashed. Uh, Alex, Alex Patakis as well, joining us from New York. In your, are you in your kitchen? Where are you right now? Yes, uh, I'm in the kitchen, sitting at your island. Yes, but you actually. guys, you guys moved out of the studio, right? So the kitchen is not just the rest of the apartment, right? <laughs> Correct. Well, we had moved out of the studio to one bed, and now we moved into another one bed. And I hit Zach up for his uh, kitchen island that he uh, left in New York. Nice. And uh, that was my that was my tearful goodbye with you. It was just like trying to fit this thing in an Uber, which is crazy. Um, are you in a new studio, by the way? Your your surroundings look different. No, no, I'm in my my home office here. Oh, okay, I'm using I think so a different adult. a different camera because I've got a monitor and a laptop. Really exciting uh, listening wow. for for those <laughs> for those out there. All right, let's get uh, right into it. The Packers, of course, one and zero undefeated. Knocking off the Chicago Bears 10 to 3. Uh, guys, in many ways, with teams playing like less and less of their starters at any point in the preseason, week one is really like very rusty league wide as a general rule. Not always the case, but generally, I think that's the case the last few years. And I think that fact, combined with it being a division game against a really great defense, made this game kind of a brutal watch at times. 10 penalties each. Pretty much an even split with time of possession. The Bears defense, actually, I think by a few metrics, having a better day than the Packers defense. But a very refreshing Jimmy Graham touchdown is the big difference, giving the Packers the edge here in a punt-a-thon uh, on, on Thursday night. So with that, I think we should get into our, our note nugs for the first time in the 2019 Green Bay Packers season. Notable nuggets. Hashtag note nugs. I always say that, but no one actually, no, no one hashtags it. Alex, what what do you got? What's your, what's your, what's your note nug coming out of this game? JK, 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 (laughs) JK. No, um, my notable nugget. I mean, you, you mentioned the punt-a-thon, which is obviously only possible with two, uh, defenses playing pretty well. Um, 
my my notable nugget is just going to go back to what seems like a pretty obvious thing, but something that we talked about actually a lot last year, but felt like maybe like six weeks in a row, and was the decision to uh, retain Mike Pettin as the defensive coordinator. Um, On the broadcast, Chris Collinsworth uh, mentioned something that I thought was just kind of an interesting thing to think about in an otherwise uninteresting game. Um, And that was that, you know, if if Sean McVay is going to be like this poster child for the what you're looking for in an NFL head coach these days and certainly an innovator on offense, um, there's a very, very key element to the Rams success with Sean McVay. And that is Wade Phillips. And he, he basically said, like he joked about how. I think one of the quarterbacks on one of the teams playing, which kind of felt to me like it could have been Aaron Rodgers, said that uh, if you shake Sean McVay's hand, you get a head coaching job. But uh, if Matt LaFleur is our version of of McVay, um, Mike Patton is our version of Wade Phillips. And I think that that is a super important part of the equation because it allows... Um, LaFleur to kind of like obviously focus on the offense, which is something McCarthy did quite a bit, but he wasn't as good as like at the administrative stuff, um, like as part of the, the, you know, like overseeing everything on the sideline challenges, certainly things like that. Um, but I think, you know, having Pettin there with some talent in that system now uh, and, and guys who seem like they're getting acclimated to it, at least the ones that stuck around is, is going to be equally as important to the success of this team as uh, as whatever Lafleur does on offense with uh, with Rodgers and company. So I really liked that thing from Collinsworth and um, thought it was really interesting and it's a very encouraging start. On, on that note, also, I mean, I think you know you mentioned the importance of having someone to kind of over oversee all that other stuff, and I think that Patton coming from out of the booth to on the field. Yep. You could see after the game, all the players running up to Patton. And I think that not all of them, but a lot of them. And uh, I think that, you know, Patton on the sidelines seems to be a pretty like calming and stabilizing presence. And I, I think that, you know, it's, I, I don't want to go as far as to say that they're co head coaches, but it does seem like that kind of a divide, even more so than in the McVeigh Wade Phillips thing, where, yeah, McVeigh is clearly kind of like present at all times. Like Patton seems to have almost as much presence as, uh, LaFleur does. Yeah, that's it. And we were texting about that in our group chat, like during the game. It was like, wait, was he up there last year or not? And I think that's a great point because, in a way, like on a defense that's so young, like he is the face of that defense. And like Aaron Rodgers, too, and defensive players, like, I, I, I don't know. Again, like this, it sounds silly, but like they almost like rally around him being there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you have Rodgers like running up to him, getting pumped up. Like the team kind of rallies around his success as a as a defensive play caller and him being physically there instead of just like this yeah I'm at his voice like up in the booth I think is is awesome yeah yeah I mean it was him that Rogers kind of body slammed right I yeah I remember that yeah. yeah like I mean <laughs> he like, gave him a hearty shove I wouldn't call it a body slam yeah well I mean as much as you want your QB to body slam anybody it was a body <laughs> slam I think he's he's not necessarily the same in demeanor but like think about like when those Jets Rex Ryan defenses were great like Rex Ryan like being down there. Mm-hmm. was also like fun you know like it made yeah, yeah. the defense all the more fun to watch because like yeah. he held and kind of like maintained that energy that his players were playing with i also think that uh that Patton coming from from in the booth down to the field brings him closer and closer to to lafleur in the way that i think justice mosqueda has been hinting at for a couple months now and that that take is uh mike Patton, shadow head coach <laughs> yes uh, moving on, I'll do my note nug next. 
keeping with the defense here. It's going to be kind of a defense-heavy show. Listen, guys, I love Mike Daniels, and I'm really going to miss rooting for him. And I know it's a small sample size, a really small sample size, but this defense looked really good even, even without him. And I, I do think that Mike Daniels being on this team increases the talent pool. So him being gone decreases the, the talent pool. Um, I don't think you can argue otherwise. But again, I just didn't feel like he, he was missed on, on the field. I, don't, I think you're probably right from a level of play perspective, but the one place where I think that he, you know, the person who I think feels missing them is going to be Kenny Clark. So Kenny Clark played 56 of 73, which I think was in the 75, 77% range. And that is not going to be great over, over the long haul of a season. I mean, that's going to take a lot of wear and tear. And I think that not having... Mike Daniels around to take some of those snaps is gonna is gonna make Kenny Clark age faster than he otherwise would, and and maybe limit limit his effectiveness uh, as the season goes on. But I do agree with you from a from a level of performance perspective. I think the Packers uh, don't miss him that much, uh, but I do hope that the rotation can strengthen a bit and and not just be uh, Kenny Clark and a bunch of other guys. Yes. All right, Ben, give me your note nug. My note nug is going to be, and and I don't know, I haven't seen a lot of people talking about this, but I, I actually sort of thought that Jair Alexander didn't have that great a game and was bailed out by a pretty iffy OPI call on that, that play that he mistimed his jump on. Oh, you thought that was iffy? I thought that was pretty iffy. Uh, I think he jumped early. Uh, maybe a little. I thought the guy clearly like propelled himself by putting his hand on his back i guess it's hard I mean, to tell how much a little weight bit. he's actually putting on there but yeah i mean i didn't i didn't i thought he got bailed out i mean that's not a knock on jair but i i guess the the flip side of this is that the rest of the secondary played so well i mean i didn't really see any like weak spots um Tremont, even Tremont in funneling uh the interception to adrian amos at the end and that play as well to uh to push the receiver out of bounds on like the one the one yard line for an incompletion that was like yeah that was like quietly one of the plays of the game, really. Yeah, savvy vet. You know, Tremont Williams keeps on Tremont Williamsing at DJX again. <laughs> yeah, he just had his like second fifty-yard reception for the for the benefit of the listener. Ben Foldy is shirtless watching football while we record this, as are so many Americans while listening to this. <laughs> it's true. As a unit, the secondary played remarkably well. And and my knock on Jair isn't so much that I thought he had a bad game. It's just I was I was impressed at the level that everybody else was able to play at and, and the, the coherence of the unit overall. The other nice thing about this defense is that I, and maybe this is something I should save or this is a segue to the next uh, thing we're going to talk about, but I don't see a player who, if they lose that one player, the whole defense falls apart. Um, like, I mean, everybody's pretty important. Like, I don't want to lose anybody, but I also don't think that it's entirely reliant on on one person. I think that's fair, and I do think that's a good segue as we move into uh, our sort of overall broader topic, um, talking about the defense and, and how good we really think they are. I mean, Aaron Rodgers said after the game, you know, we got a defense now, quote unquote, hard to argue with the results. 
giving up just three points on the road against a team with dynamic backs and a really, really strong wide receiver one. But um, then there's the Mitch Trubisky factor. Uh, anyway, you slice it, he's not great. I mean, he's fine. He's good at some things for sure. Not good at other things. So, Alex, I'll I'll start with you. Is the defense's success in Chicago truly an indicator of of great things to come, or or is it a little bit of fool's gold uh, playing against kind of a limited quarterback? It's just so hard with Trubisky because like he's we've still seen doing him be so good. many of the things we have, right? But like. Well, isn't there that whole narrative that he can't throw left? And he threw the interception to the left, like in the end, and that ended the, well, almost ended the game. I think for the most part, that has been debunked. But yeah, he did. The, well, the, I mean, one. the ringer, the ringer had an article after the game uh, reevaluating the can't throw left myth and, and came to the conclusion that he just can't really throw anywhere. <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah. So it's not ouch. just his left. Because he also threw one right to Kevin King left that should have been intercepted, which would have been awesome because then our uh, preseason narratives about Kevin King would be boosted, even though. I think it was third down, and they got the ball back anyway. No, I I mean, look, I think they're going to be a lot better than last year, and they have a lot of things that I like, and I think that if Aaron Rodgers believes... Well, here's one thing I guess we can say. Against a team with a not great offense, they can their defense can win them the game. I don't know that you can say that like about the past few years. Like Their defense might have been good enough, but they couldn't get like next to nothing from their offense and win a game. Um, I saw like people trying to think of other games just reminded them of somebody brought up 2010 uh, New York Jets where I think they scored nine points and ended up winning that game where it was, it was like, like nine best to three in New York I think yeah um, you know if you can it's a to win a, a game on the road you could talk about rust because it's week one you can talk about the ineffectiveness of the opposing quarterback uh, Matt Nagy still thought of as like a very effective co- uh, you know offensive mind by the way which you know, no one's like giving him all this heat um, about his relationship with Trubisky or anything like that. But um, even with all those things being said, like, I, I mean, what do you like? You, you can't take for granted the fact that like there was never a point in that game um, until the like the last series yep. that Chicago looked like they could actually do anything. You yep. know what I mean? Like, I've never watched the defense and had that much confidence probably since 2010. So if Rodgers believes like we have a defense now, like him saying that is literally what we've been wanting to say ourselves about them because we've always like one thing I think all of us have always said is when Rodgers has a defense that can win him a game when things aren't clicking, they're a Super Bowl contender. I'm not saying they are because we don't know if their offense can come close to like the type of production they had back then, but it's super encouraging. And some of the specific things that I like, um, and I'll be brief, is the blend of talent and the depth. And I like that for the first time in a while, uh, I think for every like good young player at a position, there seems to be like an established veteran there too who's done it and maybe won't always have the, uh, you know, be there healthy and maybe isn't like tip top physically. But like Jamon Williams' influence on like the guys he's playing with, yeah, uh, even though he's still very effective, is very good. In the same way that when Jamon Williams was undrafted and, um, you know, Sam Shields or undrafted free agents. There was always Charles Woodson, you yep. know, there was always a guy like that. And now you have the veteran safety at the back end, like Adrian Amos. I'm not saying he could be anything like Nick Collins. Like there's just a lot of that. And, you know, Kyler Fackrell led this team in sacks last year. He's now a luxury. Like yeah. he was once a thing we didn't want any part of. And he was a team leader in sacks. who's a luxury who might play if two veteran proven pass rushers in front of him happen to get dinged up or need to play off. Like that's, those are all really good signs. Like those are things I don't think we could have said at a re- like 
I don't know. In recent memory, I don't think we could have said that about their defense. Speaking of uh, sort of taking a trip around the defensive roster and looking at names, you know who comes out looking really, really good? Again, it's a small sample size, but Brian Gutekunst comes out looking really, really good with all of his acquisitions on defense playing a key role in in this game. Absolutely. Well, the Smiths both dominated. Yeah, and Amos, of course, with the interception. And Savage, too. Savage was the best player on defense, I thought. Oh, he looks so encouraging. Yeah, Savage like, he was, Savage he was really everywhere. Good. And you know what? I will say, I used him as an example a lot as like uh, why there's questions about depth. But hopefully Raven Green makes me stop using his name as an example of why like they're, they're not deep enough. When you have a guy like Raven Green as your number <laughs> one up, like yeah. maybe having a Raven Green will be a good thing. I um, thought he played really well. There didn't seem to be like a glaring week. Well, obviously, they had such a dominant performance, but there's not one guy that I would look at and say, um, you know, that there wasn't at least one good thing. You know, like there was like one encouraging sign on tape. So it was just like a total 100 out of 100. Not to get too off topic, but the only uh, Brian Gutekunst offseason acquisition that I thought struggled a little bit was Billy Turner. But uh, the the benefit of having uh, having him on the team is that every time they play in prime time, I get to see that picture of him, his avatar <laughs> with his crazy fucking hair, just kind of like in that big knot off to the side. I don't know. That's the kind of shit that just I love. And that. he was also <laughs> facing a front that's like insanely good. It's, like, true. it's I, true. I mean, I think maybe that's one thing if you want to pick something to worry about. And I'm not trying to get away from the defense, but like there was a lot of the same old shit with like Rogers hanging out of the ball and taking sacks. He may not face until the next time they play a defensive front that good again this year. Like yeah. that's important to remember. And clearly defense tends to start faster than offense. It's just easier, you know, like to get in that rhythm. And and I think it's important to remember that. Well, we do have Vic Fangio coming up uh, in, in, a, in a couple weeks. So that's a coordinator that, that obviously has given the Packers fits over the years, but they don't have the roster that, that Chicago has. It's just like monsters at every level of the defense. Except for Ha-Ha Clinton Dix. <laughs> a monster of a different kind not oh, again um, i like i like that guy <laughs> yeah he's a, it's not i'm not knocking him but i wouldn't say that he's like a safety i fear i don't think i noticed him once in that uh game and maybe i'm maybe i wasn't paying enough attention i he threw he threw one hit i remember um but i i don't really remember what it was but i remember kind of noticing him kind of seeming to throw his body around in the way of somebody who is playing some sort of revenge game in his head. You totally brought something up, but I have completely blanked on what it was. That's what you get for watching football at the same time. <laughs> You're really just spreading out on the couch here. Look at this. <laughs> yeah, man. We can see you. <laughs> you know we can see you, right? <laughs> yeah. What's your point? Go on. Can you guys hear this little kid backyard party that's happening right outside of my window, by the way? No. Not at all. Okay, good, because it is getting wild are they playing old town road <laughs> yeah that song slaps agreed before we get out of here let's focus a little bit on the offense there isn't a whole lot here to to break down the offense uh, getting off to a slow start against a really really good defense but i thought a fun kind of jumping off point would be the fact that antonio brown gets released by the uh, by the raiders and, and of course time is a flat circle it would not be an off season without a, a big star working his way off of a roster and then landing in goddamn New England and playing with the Patriots. So I, I kind of wanted to pose that question to you guys. Do, do, do you think that the Packers should have got after Antonio Brown? There was obviously a lot of a lot of chatter about this in the Twitter sphere 
The Packers struggling on offense. Devontae Adams having a really tough time, I think, against the Chicago defense. Alex, what do you think about this clickbaity question we got here? (laughs) No. Um, The the only reason I would want him is so that the Patriots couldn't have him. Just out of of spite. That's the only reason is just because it annoys me so much that he has landed there. Yeah. No, I mean, like, usually I take the side of, like, the player, and I, I think there's probably a lot of issues in Oakland. Who knows what's actually going on? Um, but I will say for the, this particular situation with the Packers, with the new coaching staff and so many eyeballs on the relationships there, like this might be the one scenario and, and it's like, okay, nothing against you, Antonio Brown. It's more about us. Like maybe we're not stable enough to to take that on right now. I'd just rather not. Like let the young guys play. Let Aaron be the guy and let Devontae be the guy and... I would just rather not worry about it. You know what I mean? Like, and that's rare because I almost always want those guys thinking like, well, their talent will just like overtake everything. But But he's not Packer people. (laughs) Uh, Well, no, it's not that. I mean, like, come on. I don't want to sound like that, but I just think they're, they're like in a fragile state where like people are actively looking for things to pick apart about the interactions between like, could you imagine if there was one bad interaction between Rogers and Antonio Brown and the type of shit we would have to read and like talk about all the time? Like I just, at this juncture, yeah, Greg Jennings would write a, a book. Oh my God, God, <laughs> yeah, more relevance for Greg Jennings. Barnes and um, Noble tour. Yeah, and the Lafleur infancy. I, I'm, I'm gonna be a, I'm a no. That's gonna be a no for me, dog. Yeah, you're a big no too. <laughs> I'm a no as well. Ben, okay. what do you think? In a in a vacuum, sure. Like sign Antonio Brown. There's very little reason not to. Uh, nothing to lose, so on and so forth. But I think. In a young room with a, you know, first-time head coach, you know, one of the reasons that New England can can take on that risk is because New England can also just cut him and move on, and like it's the one person whose judgment probably can't be questioned on taking him on in the first place. You know, I think New England has such a tight ship, and again, coming back to kind of what we talked about the other week is like the Packers haven't been winning, right? So, you know, New England can cut him and still win. Right. So the Packers could get themselves into a situation where it could seem that they couldn't cut him and still win. And I think that would be a very problematic position for a first year head coach to be in. And not to mention a, a, you know, second year GM who doesn't necessarily have full hiring and firing powers over his coach. You know, like it would just I mean, I think it would just exacerbate all of the issues that we have been at least, you know, I wouldn't say complaining about, but at least wary of, you know, it would just magnify everything to a whole nother level. We're clearly all a, a hard pass on Antonio Brown, but but let's talk for a second at least about what we saw or think we saw out of this Packers offense. I mean, honestly, it was it was it was a tough watch. And I, I know that the Bears defense is is to say really good is an understatement. I think that they they are gearing up for another top five in the NFL season. Are they going to be like elite all-timers? I think there's going to be a little bit of regression, but they are so, so good. A really tough challenge. So I it was really hard for me to glean anything. Did you, Alex, did you see anything sort of schematically that you could glean? Some like exciting new Lafleur thing that seemed new to you? It was really hard for me to get any of that out of this game. Yeah, I mean, maybe just like a, a healthier mix of like um, 
formations and alignment and personnel that maybe maybe I'm like it's one of those things where you're looking for it more so yeah. you see it. Yeah. Um, but there was like some empty sets or like they'd motion a back out of the backfield to end up in five wide. Like there was some of that. Um, and there were times where you can tell that it felt like Rogers was clearly trying to play within a scheme, uh, which I think is fun because that that seemed like I mean that might have been missing for like two years. You know yeah. what I mean? Like yeah. he was just kind of doing a free for all. So um the, the scheme I, I think, for years was Aaron Rodgers waiting for someone to get open. Yeah, exactly. Which now felt like, you know, um, there, you know, there, there were certainly times where he was hanging out of the ball uh, and taking sacks and stuff. I think that that might end up looking more a product of how good the bears are. I agree. Um, and I think that the other thing is we're underestimating that against defensive fronts who can't, you know, have any of the four guys lining up across from you beat you at any given moment. Um, what will you know, when Rodgers uses his legs more against a less adept defensive line? Yeah. I think that will also be fun. Like I don't want him to freestyle. I love him playing within his scheme, but when he does freestyle against a team that's not lining up with those guys, I think it's gonna be really fun because there was that there was that glimpse where he like got in that rhythm, you know, like where they had the one scoring drive, and I was like. There's going to be games where he's in that rhythm the whole game, and that's going to be so fun. Yeah, you just need to spread out those moments of of improvising and scrambling around those little those little tasty licks. It's what I don't like about jam bands. I don't want to go watch someone play a guitar solo for like thirty minutes at a time. That's not interesting to me. It's got to be you know tasteful and you know interspersed at uh, at just the right intervals. Ben, what do you think? Uh, I will say that the the one really good thing, and I I don't I think that this in some ways got lost in the in the offensive performance like yes the skill guys didn't do much um you know nobody really stood out on the offensive side of the ball uh definitely more tight end play than we're used to uh in all facets um you know mercedes lewis got as many targets as he got all last season i think maybe off by one but the offensive line actually played really well and i i think i don't want that to get lost in the uh in that, but I mean, I guess that brings up two issues. One is that I think that was actually a game where it's hard to look at that at that game and not think that Rodgers had a pretty bad game, all in all. And I don't. I hope that that is just a matter of no preseason and rust. And but I think also, you know, I think we've all probably seen the same people on Packers Twitter kind of being like, no, these are like bad habits that have you know been more and more common in the last few years. And there was definitely some sloppy footwork and there was some accuracy issues that were pretty uncharacteristic of Rodgers holding onto the ball. That's nothing new. So I, I, I do think that the offensive line is good. Is Rodgers going to be able, or at least the tackles were good in particular. Is Rodgers going to be able to, you know, mesh with the scheme and are, I think one, another thing that I think will, will actually help open up the Lafleur scheme is better. Better, as much as I hate to say this, and I think it's like really outdated. It's not outdated, but it's just like a, a slippery slope to start talking about. But like establishing the run with the air quotes, like I think a more effective run game, opening up play action more. Yeah, and I think that's hard to do against a team like the Bears. It's nearly impossible to do, and I I I know what you're saying about about that being sort of an outdated 
way uh, of thinking in terms of like you don't need to pay a star running back a, a bunch of money to be successful. But I do think that the fundamental concept of establishing the run is still relevant because if they just know you're going to pass 100 percent of the time, it becomes a lot easier to defend against you. Again, I'm not like super sophisticated when it comes to understanding all these schemes, but like that to me is a pretty simple concept to understand. And I think it still bears true. Yeah. Yeah. And I and I think that, you know, they'll they'll be better at that moving forward against softer teams. Um, but I, I do think there is enough to see to not be sold. No, that's like a yeah. that's a very passive way of saying like <laughs> I wouldn't say I'm worried, but I would not say that I'm sold. Like we just raved about Patton, right? But like, you know, is is anybody gonna talk about like Nathaniel Hackett after that game? And it, my answer is clearly no. And I and I'm not sure there will ever be a game this season where we talk about Nathaniel Hackett kind of impressing us. I wanna I wanna raise a flag there really quickly because I know that your hackles have been up since the signing of, of Nathaniel Hackett, but and we haven't really gotten a chance to hash this out on the air, but like Nathaniel Hackett is the offensive coordinator in name only. He's he's not a guy who he's an organizer. He's a guy who's going to keep them basically on. He's going to keep them on the tracks of you know whatever whatever Lafleur wants to do. Lafleur is the offensive coordinator. Yeah, but I mean, I mean, on that note, neither of them have ever really shown that they have run a very good offense. That's fair. That 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 is fair, but I want to make sure that we're looping in Lafleur in that in, in sort of in that basket. Because because you're also then giving credit. I mean, in which I think the league is and the Packers did. You're giving Lafleur credit for being the manager of the Sean McVay offense, right? Like, yeah. I mean, he well, he shook, his, he shook his hand once, so here we are. But he wasn't. I mean, he wasn't <laughs> calling the plays in McVay, right? Like, I mean, Nathaniel Hackett is to Lafleur what. Lafleur was to McVeigh, but neither of them, neither McVeigh or neither Lafleur nor Hackett, has ever actually shown an ability to kind of run a an offense that I get particularly excited about. Yeah, yeah. And so I, I do think that I, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to jump down anybody's throat after one week on the road. Obviously, I was the pessimistic take on whether they'd win that game at all. But I also didn't see anything out of that offense to be like, you know, I, I mean, my part of my pessimistic take was that I thought both offenses would kind of struggle. I didn't anticipate how much they would struggle. Yeah. So anyway, there we are. There we are. And the, the Packers, it's not it's going to get a little easier, but it's not going to get uh, dramatically easier next week as the Packers get ready to play the Minnesota Vikings. And with that, I think we will we will leave it. We will rock the poker. We will bob in our seats here, as I see we are all doing on the video chat. We are going to preview the Vikings uh, matchup on our next episode. I believe we're going to get Arif Hassan on here. Friend of show, Arif Hassan covers the Vikings for The Athletic. Wow, Ben, you're... <laughs> what are you doing over there? Calvin Ridley just scored a touchdown. I uh, needed that. Following fantasy. Nice. All right. I like this video chat. It gives us a whole new element. <laughs> Of uh, stuff that we can see that the listeners can't. It's good, good audio, good audio really, for the listeners. You really like seeing my chest hair, is what you're saying. I mean, that never gets old. Never gets old. I'm sleeveless today, but I am not, not shirtless. All right, guys. At Alex Patakis on Twitter, at Ben Foldy on Twitter, at Zach Rapport. Follow the show at the APC Pod. Send us an email if you like. The APC Podcast at gmail.com. The Pick'em is up and running. 
So we've got a lot of players this year, and uh, it's not too late to join. You know, you might miss a week, but uh, people miss weeks all throughout the season, and it's, it's just for fun and it's free, so you, you can still be competitive if you, uh, if you so desire. Send us, a, send us an email or a tweet letting us know you want to join, and we will get you set up there. Other than that, I think that's about, that's about it for us. We will talk to you guys in a couple days and preview the Packers' next game against the Minnesota Vikings. Until that, go Pack Go! JK, 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 JK. <laughs> <laughs>